Hey guys, welcome to episode 87, part two of A True Crime Couple. I'm Kay. And I'm John. So today, because it's part two, we really don't have any of that normal stuff in the beginning to go over with you. So we just thought we'd dive right into this episode. Are you ready, John? I'm ready. Let's do it. You seemed a little off. Are you I, ready I, to go? I have to tell you the truth. I was daydreaming. I was kind of looking outside at our little property we have out here. I know. It was like you were one of my students. I was like, I'm sorry, are you like, ready? Snap back into it. Yes. Yeah, I'm good. I'm here. <laughs> so where we left off, 14-year-old Tanya Cash had just confided in her father and his girlfriend that the last time she had tried to run away, which is pretty frequently happening in her life, that her uncle on her maternal side had made a sexual advance towards her. Her father and his girlfriend told Tanya that they didn't believe her and they thought that she was just doing this for attention, which is so sad. It's really sad. And also, like, it's one of those things where it's like, you have to believe your child. Listen, if you're a parent, I feel like you have to believe what your child is telling you. Kids just don't say those things out of, like, thin air. So I think that it's very obnoxious to think that she's lying. I think also, too, you need to take everything as an isolated incident. Like, yes, we can all agree that at this point, um, running away so often has made her seem to be as if she was having a she's a problem child because she really is having issues in school, adjustment issues, issues with her father's new girlfriend. But just because she is having trouble in other places in her life doesn't mean that she's lying about something like this. Exactly. So Tanya is going to state that each time she ran away, it was really from her father's girlfriend rather than her father himself. Her father said that Tanya was neglectful when it came to basically her responsibilities that she was supposed to do. And Tanya felt like he didn't understand her, her struggles, her adjustment issues, or her complicated relationship with her mother. So everything was just really not working between the two of them. But it wasn't like Tanya and her father were fighting constantly. It was actually really the opposite, whereas they were barely talking, which is almost worse here because we do see Tanya reaching out to Thomas Hose for that attention that I believe that she's probably truly craving from her father. Oh, yeah. No, I agree with that 100%. And of course, her problems with her father's girlfriend are definitely not helping the situation at all. No, they're not supportive. And she's definitely not. So, And the straw that broke the camel's back was the fact that her father and his girlfriend didn't believe her when she told them about her uncle. She explained what happened to Hose and how Judy, Hose's friend, who he had told her to stay with, had been trying to help. But... Nobody really could truly ever understand how messed up Tanya felt her parents were. And she said that it was just a little frustrating to her because Judy Sokol, one of Thomas Hose's friends, of course, you remember from the the previous episode, this is the woman that took her in. And she is aware of the inappropriate relationship that does exist between Tanya and Thomas Hose. Um, don't forget, remember, she like slept over his house, the Super Bowl party, and he had raped her. So Judy Sokol is totally aware of this. And Tanya's talking about Judy like she's just like one of their friends. And she's saying it's frustrating with Judy because Judy thinks she could just eventually go live with her mother. But 
Tanya's trying to say, my mother's never going to take me in, especially now that she has a new boyfriend. Now she's never going to try and fight to regain custody because she has a new life. Yeah, and you know what the sad part is? I almost agree with her in the sense that she might not want to take her back because, like you said, this new life, she has this new man, uh, this new boyfriend. She doesn't want to be burdened with a child that has a lot of needs at the moment and is running away and has all these things going on. But, I mean, I don't expect anything less. I mean, from all the other things that we've heard in the beginning, I don't really, you know, this is to me, this isn't like shocking or anything. And unfortunately, that is really true, John. And this is really going to hurt Tanya because, again, it's just another rejection that she has to face at 14 years old. I mean, how much more could this girl really take? So it's all of those things coupled together that are going to make Tanya feel as if she needs to run away from home again. This is the final time she runs away. February 10th, 1996. And after this time, she wouldn't return for another 10 years. Police say the suspect, 31-year-old Jeffrey Dahmer, has confessed to the killings of 11 people whose remains were found in his apartment. We are all evil in some form or another, are we not? Lock your doors, lock your windows. If you have the ability to provide additional security devices, then by all means do so. It seemed that all that grooming that Thomas Hose had done was panning out for him because he was able to make this 14-year-old girl believe that the two of them were truly in love and that he cared about her. In fact, he was the first person in her life who truly ever cared about her or listened to her or provided for her. And to keep him in her life, Tanya would endure everything that happened to her over the span of a decade. Why? Because she loved him. And Hose did an excellent job of coupling abuse and seclusion with loving acts and the promise of eventually having a normal future. So he was really good at mixing what he was doing. So he would be abusive to her, but then he would buy her something. He would seclude her, not allow her to leave a closet for an entire holiday. But then he would promise that one day they'd be able to vacation together for Christmas. And that's how it happened. You know what? Do you remember in part one I said that, you know, this is definitely something that he's done before? Yeah. And I, I'm i still sticking with that. I, I, th- I think he has done this before. Um, to what extent, I don't know. But it does sound to me like he's done it before and he's totally comfortable with it. People just don't do that. People just don't wake up at one day and are able to manipulate someone. I know she's a child, but still, to manipulate in such a way where it's like, okay, I'll, I'll do this, but I'll, I'll know when to stop so I can reel her back in. That's something that is like, you learn that over time, how to manipulate just enough and then bring it back. Manipulate, then bring it back. Yes. That's not something that you just do. Yeah, I think it is. um, We can see that he is definitely this master manipulator. And like you said, I think it is something that I I don't want to call it a skill, but it's uh, something that he had practiced. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Now, the reality of it all was that Tanya and her father had only lived with his father's girlfriend for six months. So they had really only been in Nikki's port for six months. 
In all that time, Tanya had run away eight times, was failing school, and was marked as being truant. Cornell Intermediate School was actually starting action to expel her. So when Tanya left on February 10th, her father chose not to call the police. Tanya had been labeled a problem child by the McKeesport Police Department. She was a runaway. All the other times Tanya had run away, her father had reported it to the police, and he filed eight missing persons reports. But each time she showed back up, um, whether it was her mother or her maternal grandparents, they would eventually return her back to his house, obviously, as per the court order, because he had full custody. You know, it's it's excessive to, to run away that many times. But the problem here, right, right off the bat, that throws up so many red flags, I could just like walk into them and trip on a floor, is the fact that they're labeling her as a problem child, which then in turn makes me believe that they're not going to take her running away again. Serious. Oh, no, and they don't. Well, I don't want to say that just yet because Tanya's father waits. So a few days pass, and what he does is he keeps calling his ex-wife's family, asking if she's shown up. Because it has happened where, like, she's just on the run for a few days, and then she shows up at her mother's house eventually, or back at his house. But he waits to make a police report this time, because the last time, the police were very unresponsive and almost mocking and ridiculing of him, like, oh, you're here again? This is the eighth time. So he was very apprehensive to file this ninth missing persons report. And of course, no red flags were raised with the school district because Tanya was rarely in school to begin with. So it would be four days before Tanya's father would even report her missing to police. He stated in interviews that he waited so long to call them because in the past six months, he had filed eight missing persons reports. And... The police weren't taking any of Tanya's disappearances seriously anymore. So he wanted to make sure that it was a disappearance before it was reported as a disappearance, which really is, I understand where he's coming from, but it's a very unfortunate set of circumstances. So as soon as the missing persons report was filed, Tanya's mother was notified and she was very concerned about her daughter. She was trying to turn over a new leaf in her life and Nobody wants their daughter to be missing. Uh, So she went back and looked at her phone bill. Because remember when Tanya really didn't have too many friends. So remember when she went to her mother's house and she met the new boyfriend? Yes. And she wasn't happy and she called Thomas Hose. Well, her mother recalls her calling someone and kind of talking about the situation like a friend. So her mother's thinking, I'm going to call her friend and ask where she is. That makes sense, right? Oh, of course. Well, she noticed the number that obviously she didn't recognize. And um, the phone call had been made while her daughter was present in the house. So she called it and Thomas Hose picked up. She asked him if he knew where Tanya was. And he told her that he didn't know where she was. And he wasn't even aware that she had been missing. So Tanya's mother, of course, was suspicious of this phone call. She didn't believe Hose, and she thought it was odd that 
one, her daughter even had the number of the security officer from the middle school and the fact that she would call him. Yeah, I mean, that whole thing is weird. I think anybody listening would feel the same way. I don't think she's alone in that, at least. You know, I mean, that is bizarre to have that. Yeah, I think she thought like, okay, there's something suspicious going on here. When she had a meeting with the officer in charge of the juvenile delinquencies at the middle school, she let the officer know that her daughter had been calling Thomas Hose and that this was inappropriate. She also met with the captain of the McKeesport Police Department, and she told him the same thing. She was reassured that Thomas Hose had been investigated and was cleared as a suspect. The captain also let her know that her ex-husband had also brought up the name Kevin Churchfield, but he was also cleared as a suspect. Hmm. Interesting. Um, we do know that Kevin Churchfield's home was searched, but nothing was found. Obviously, she's not there. But it is important to note here that Thomas Hose's name had been reported not only to the police department, but to the school by Tanya's mother. For the first month that Tanya had run away from home, she lived with Judy Sokol. She would go to Hose's house or meet with him when she could. Tanya was again sexually assaulted at Judy's house in the guest room where she was staying. During this time, Tanya reflected that she thought Hose was in love with her, and he called her T.C., which meant totally cute. Like, that was his nickname for her. Great. But that's kind of like a really juvenile thing to do, so it shows that he's acting like a child, really. Like, trying to win this 14-year-old girl over. Like, it's disgusting. Right, and it also kind of ties into what he's been doing, really. It's like, control her and make her feel... Like, it's almost like he's like putting this out in front of, in front of her so she can't really see what's going on. It's so weird. The reality of it yeah, all. Yeah, that's weird. Now, these sexual encounters were something that made Tanya feel very guilty because... When her parents were together, they did have her maintain um, kind of a very religious lifestyle. And she had attended Bible camp several times. So she did feel like kind of she was breaking her promise that she was saving herself for marriage. It just made her feel guilty. And I think that more than that, something in her gut was telling her that this is wrong. But because she didn't truly understand because she is a victim and she's 14 years old, she didn't know how wrong it truly was. Right. Exactly. She couldn't comprehend it. But something in her gut is telling her this is not right. Yeah, that's a good point. Now, the number of people that were complacent in the crimes that Hose was committing is continuing to grow. And it's obvious Judy Sokol is one of them. If the memories of Tanya are correct. Tanya later recounted that Judy and Hose altered her appearance, so even if she was seen, it would be hard to tell that it was her. First, and this is kind of really bizarre, uh, Tanya said that Judy had dyed her hair red as a joke because Hose's ex-wife's hair was red. And Hose hated the color, obviously, because it reminded of his ex-wife, and like Judy was laughing about it, which is so bizarre like beyond bizarre um and eventually she added blonde highlights to it and slowly like kind of took the red out by just adding more and more blonde 
So by the end of this, usually the way that Pose is going to want Tanya to be while he keeps her in captivity for the next 10 years is he requires her to bleach her hair blonde. You know, I, I was going to say we'll put a bookmarker in this, but I just have to add the fact that this Judy woman is partaking in not only kidnapping, but I don't know, every other thing the, that you can add to that list. Yeah. Right. But like how crazy that you know that this man who's th- what 39 years old is having who is raping this 14 year old child. It's so crazy that you're just uh, just sitting there. Yeah, you're aiding in it. Yeah, and it's totally fine with you? Yeah. Mind-boggling. I don't care. If that was my friend, I, I, I don't care. That is not something that's going to fly. Yeah, this is an, an interesting bunch of characters we got here. Now, about one month into living with Judy Sokol, she was forced out when Children and Youth Services contacted Judy asking her if she knew the whereabouts of Tanya Cash. So at this point, um, Judy's going to get really nervous, and she's going to kind of say that she doesn't want to be involved with this anymore to Thomas Hose. Now at this point, Tanya's father was convinced that his ex-wife had their daughter and she was hiding her. So that's why you have to remember too, most disappearances, right? This is super rare and This case is totally bizarre because after she leaves Judy's house, she ends up going to stay with Thomas Hose and and staying, staying with him for the next 10 years. This case is bizarre on so many levels because first, it's a rare period that a child gets kidnapped by a stranger. And I wouldn't call Thomas Hose a stranger, but he's someone outside the family. When children disappear or get kidnapped... The usual place, especially if they come from a divorced household where custody has been an issue, is that it's a custody dispute. That's what would make sense. Tanya has run away eight times before. She always goes to her mother's house. That's where she wants to be staying, even though she has a pretty intense and complicated relationship with her mother. That's where she wants to be. So Tanya's father's also not freaking out like someone took my daughter because he thinks she's just being hidden at her mother's house. Well, he was right about one thing, being hidden by somebody. Yeah. It's not the mom. (laughs) And then this is also a bizarre case because she's not kidnapped per se. And I think that Thomas Hose did so much grooming of of Tanya that he didn't have to kidnap her. She came willingly. Right. Yeah, she did come willingly. But I mean, it still is a kidnap. But yeah, what I'm saying is yeah. like, it's almost like Stockholm Syndrome before she's even kidnapped. No, it's true. Because, I mean, he had a long time to do this. Yes. So Tanya's father insisted that his ex-wife's home, um, which was then the home of her boyfriend and later her husband. So even though the house was searched several times, no evidence of Tanya living there had ever been found. It seemed like instead of the two parents looking for their daughter, they stayed locked in a heated dispute regarding which parent had been the most neglectful. Once Tanya left Judy's house, she stayed with Hose full time, but there were rules. Hose didn't want his parents to know that Tanya was there. 
It was okay for his son to know because, well, he had to know because he was sleeping in the bedroom with them. And his son's only a few years younger than Tanya. While Hose and his son were at school, Tanya would have to stay in Hose's bedroom. She had to use a bucket for the bathroom and watch the television with headphones in. But she'd have to be really careful because if Hose's parents ever came up the stairs, like his mother would do often to kind of drop laundry off that she had done, she had to hide in the closet. Tanya remembered thinking that she didn't mind being in the closet because at least she had privacy in there, something that she didn't have the luxury of in her father's house because remember they'd taken the door off. She said that while Hose was home, it was like they were in a relationship together. She learned the room, which floorboards creaked, and at what angles the sun shone through the two tiny windows of the room, where she could exercise on the floor to keep it from squeaking, and the schedule of Hose's parents. Hose would take her into the basement to shower twice a week while his parents were sleeping. Tanya said that she felt everything she was doing was just to prove to Hose that she loved him and she wanted to be with him. He convinced her that things would have to be like this until she was 18 years old and it was okay for them to be together. She said she felt at that age that this is what you did for love, anything to stay together. But that meant living that way for another four years. And it is going to be torturous for Tanya to live in this situation because she's torn. Does she really want to go home? No. But because she doesn't want to go home, and at this point she feels like she can't go home, her father's not going to take her back. He barely took her back the other times. Her mother doesn't want her. So where does she have to go? So she's going to endure living like this because she's being promised, well, as soon as you're 18, it'll change. As soon as you're 18, it'll be different. And it's almost normalized by the fact that Thomas Hose's son is in the room with them. So she's like, okay, if this was like super weird, which it is, totally, wouldn't he be reacting? And then at the end of the day, when, and I've watched footage of what Thomas Hose's house looks like, it is a, I don't want to say a really small house, but it's a smaller house. It's Two stories, very narrow, very, very old. And I just do not know how possible it is that he had her living unknown upstairs for years. I don't believe that either. I don't believe that either because how are you telling me that the parents never saw her, right? Right. And on top of that, that the son's not going to speak to the grandparents when he knows that she's there? I completely agree. And I think what's a little bit more realistic, and it's kind of something that Tanya alluded to before, was that Thomas Hose really ran that house. And I think they knew, but they were maybe too scared to say anything to their son. 100%. I agree. I agree with that. But I'm just saying there's no way that they didn't know. Oh, I completely agree. That's my stance on on this whole thing. So while Tanya's living there, she does have to go through 
a lot of sexual abuse that we'll cover a little bit later. And you have to think there's no way that none of this sexual abuse didn't take place in front of Hose's son. They share a bedroom. Exactly. Um, she had her fillings fall out of her teeth because she obviously never went to go see a dentist. Um, she had psoriasis, actually a really bad case of psoriasis spread throughout her body because you have to think how often are her clothes being washed? She can only take a shower twice a week. So her like personal hygiene isn't even being kept at this point. And at one point, she weighed only 93 pounds. So she was definitely having some issues um, while she lived here. She said that her weight was always a big concern because Hose wanted her to keep physically fit. So like she stayed physically attractive. And then this became such a big concern to her that she she developed an eating disorder. And then once she was eating, she was trying to work out constantly in the room because that was the only exercise she could get. But like by working out, I mean like doing crunches and like not like, you know, jump, she's not jumping rope upstairs. Right. No, I understand what you're saying. So through the four years, she also contracted various ailments. Pink eye, which took two weeks to clear up. And most of that time, she couldn't even open her eyes. That's really unfortunate. really sad. I mean, this is really sad. Yeah. Yeah. If Hose or his son got sick or gave her the flu, she would have to suffer in silence without medication upstairs while trying to remain silent. She spent every holiday for four years in a closet while Tom Hose and his family celebrated below. The only thing that she had to look forward to were the warm baths that she could take when Hose's parents were away. Tanya tells people that at this point, the people who would say, well, why didn't you just leave? Didn't understand the fact that she was a 14-year-old girl who simply didn't have anywhere else to go. The only alternative to living with Hose was homelessness. And that was something that she couldn't bear to do. She also really believed that Thomas Hose was in love with her. She was the center of attention when he was home. Whether that attention be positive or negative, that switches over time. But he was attentive to her. And she had never had that before. Yeah. I mean, and that plays a big role in how he's able to keep her like this. You know, it's really, it's important for him to continue to have this control and power over her. So over time, Tanya became friends with Justin Hose, the son of Thomas Hose. He was two years younger than her, and the two spent a lot of time together. However, Tanya said that it was a very complicated relationship. Justin and her never talked about anything too deeply, and he always kept his father's secret. It was clear to Tanya that Justin was brainwashed by his father. What Thomas Hose said went, and Justin hated his mother because of all the things that Hose told him about her. So he basically has convinced his son to hate his mother and basically just become this like he was like a mini me, like a follower of him. Yeah, kind of goes to what you were saying about the uh, Thomas Hose's parents. That whole house is afraid of him. Yeah. So 
I also feel like Justin Hose was really isolated in school. He didn't have many friends. So when he came home, Tanya was kind of like his only friend. So they kind of kept things very surface level where they just talked about like TV shows or things like that. But she never made a plea with him because she knew how close he was to his father, basically. Hose continued his manipulation while Tanya was living in his bedroom in complete seclusion. He would remind her that no one was looking for her. And he even showed her the deed from her father and his girlfriend buying a new home. Later, he also showed her an announcement of her mother's marriage to her boyfriend. See, he would always say, they're all happy without you. And whenever she would really talk about leaving, he would threaten suicide. So this is a crazy form, two crazy forms of manipulation that should never really be present in any relationship. I mean, obviously, this one is highly illegal and very strange and very sad. But this sometimes is a tactic by men who are trying to or or women uh, like manipulate their partners into like feelings of guilt or staying with them because they're they're threatening self-harm. I mean, this is um, it's really sad, but she felt like he would kill himself if she left. So that is another reason why she's going to stay. He also told her that she was now his property and that she had been trained his way, of course, alluding to the sexual acts that he made her perform. And Hose would make Tanya keep track of a calen- like their sexual acts on a calendar. And every time they had a sexual encounter, she would have to mark it on the calendar. So like different colors meant different sexual acts and different symbols represented their orgasms. That whole entire sentence just made my stomach hurt. Yeah, I'm really sorry. I yeah. saw you like almost throw up in your mouth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, very... Very strange. He said that he was keeping this calendar, you know, just to to track what they were doing. And um, he also is going to make Tanya participate in videotape. Like he would videotape her while they were having sex and tell her that he was showing it to his friends. Whether or not he did or not, we don't know. But this is what he said to her. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised because this guy has no line in the sand, so to speak. I mean, this guy will do whatever, so... And he has disgusting friends. Yeah, so, you know what? I don't even throw that past him, and it's absolutely disgusting. Yeah. So, about two years into her captivity, the body of a 14-year-old girl, Kimberly Crims, was found in a cemetery in McKeesport. The same cemetery Tanya could see out of Thomas Hose's window. She was lying face down on a hill. Her pants were around her ankles. It was a hot summer, so the elements and the animals had made it very hard for medical examiners to determine the cause of death. In fact, it had even been deemed a homicide. But this was interesting. This was the second girl that had been found murdered in McKeesport. In October of 1995, Anna Marie Callahan's body was found on the banks of a nearby river. The electrical cord that had been used to strangle her was still around her neck. Her hands were duct taped behind her back. Flowers left in her hands. Anna Marie had dropped out of Cornell Middle School and had been doing what it took to survive living on her own. Now, in between the deaths of these two girls 
was the disappearance of another girl from Cornell Intermediate School, Tanya Cash. And this was when Tanya's story would become international news two years after her disappearance because she was lumped in with these two other missing girls who had been found dead. They thought there was a serial killer in McKeesport. But I have to mention two things. And one is that the first girl, Kimberly Crims, does look very similar. Both girls actually do look similar to Tanya Cash. The cemetery is Thomas Hose's house. It sounds like I'm like, I've gotten tripped up on that a few times. Say that twice as fast. No. I don't want to say anything in this podcast twice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He lives very close to where the body was found. So I thought that was interesting. But what's more interesting, and I find there's an easier connection to make between Anna Marie and Tanya. Because the two of them seem to be, I guess, what you would call trouble children. Children that dropped out in middle school. They were having problems. Anna Marie seemed like she did have to become homeless. She left her living situation. So it seems like these two girls had similar paths. He was, it could be. I mean, yeah, I mean, listen. That I, Thomas Hose is responsible for this. Yeah, I mean, listen, the guy has the tools and the know-how to manipulate a woman. Uh, to, um, I said woman, I'm so sorry. To manipulate children and to kidnap them. I, and he's already r- raped our main character here how many times during his story. Oh, my God. So I can't, e- I can't Every even. Every day. Yeah, I can't even throw that out. I mean, I don't. we don't know for a fact. Yeah. But it's. I feel like it's not out of the realm of possibility. So... That's a little uneasy. Yeah, we're going to get back to that. I mean, we'll talk about that a little bit more at the end. But I, those cases are still unsolved. Which is crazy. Yes. Um, So we'll get back into that. What I want to make just a point of here is that, and what I want to scream to the media is, where were you two years ago? Now, all of a sudden, this case matters to you. Tanya Cash's disappearance was nowhere in the media. Nowhere. When she first disappeared. But now that this body has been found everywhere. And that's where the like title of her book comes from. Like the milk carton kid. Tanya's face appeared on millions of milk cartons. And a new detective had been assigned to her case. An officer was actually sent to search the home of past suspects. But when he got to Thomas Hose's house. Hose claimed that his parents were sleeping. So he couldn't let them in. And the officers left. I could see maybe if they're... Well, they kind of are elderly, right? His parents? Yeah. But right. but you don't leave. Oh, you I, come I would, back. I would just say you go back. And, it, you know, obviously that time, that second time you go there, you right. kind of don't take no for an answer because you're there to do a job to investigate. So yes. if you were to say that the first time, I would just say, okay, well, we'll be here again. And then just go unannounced again and then do it, you know, get into the house. <laughs> So I think that's weird that they didn't kind of do a follow-up when it came to his house. Yeah, all they would have to do is search his house. That's it. Just check his closet, the bedroom. That's it. That's all. You'll find her. And Tanya does make a point when it comes to the disappearance of those two girls. Is She says she had one disturbing conversation with Thomas Hose while he was drunk. Where he said, where he described the details of how they found... Kimberly's body 
And she said that they were details that he told her that she never read about or heard about on the news. So, um, you know, that's an interesting, you know, little tidbit. And she said that she doesn't know what he was up to, basically, when he wasn't in the room with her. He was very private about his life once she was inside his house. So in June of 2000, Tanya was allowed to occasionally leave the house. Hose was making her feel like he was looking for apartments for the two of them to move into together, and she was excited about the prospect. Although she hated the seclusion, she still felt like she loved Hose and he loved her. The only reason she was allowed to leave was because she turned 18. She was given $120 to go shopping for clothes that fit her. For Tanya, it was an overwhelming and scary experience to travel outside. She had been inside for four years. She was almost relieved to be back into the safety of the bedroom once she was done shopping. That's pretty, that's so sad. Yeah, it is. Could you imagine four years in a room, in a house, and you just become comfortable with that and you never want to leave? Yeah. What's your comfort zone? That's so scary. That would make anybody go crazy, I feel like, which kind of shows her um, fortitude when it comes to... I mean, even though I know she doesn't think, like... Maybe she doesn't think that anything's wrong with this picture at the moment, but it does show her fortitude that she's able to kind of have that power to, like, hang in there, you know? Yeah. So from June 2000 until June 2005, Tanya was slowly allowed to leave the bedroom and to travel to some stores. She was very shy and timid during this time. She had developed anxiety and OCD from being in the bedroom for four years, and it was hard for her to acclimate and to have conversations with other people. Throughout her time in the house, Hose always expected Tanya to take care of herself. He would buy her blonde box dye with bleach, and she would be able to purchase products through Avon. In June of 2005, Hose gave her the alias of Nikki Diane Allen, and that was how he introduced her to his parents. He introduced her as Nikki, his new girlfriend, and she would be moving in. Things got a little easier after because she was able to move more freely around the house, smoke on the front front porch, and one day while she was walking, a luxury that she was able to do again, she wandered into a Methodist thrift store and soon she began volunteering there. So that was her kind of constant in her life that she got to go work at this thrift store, basically. From that point on, Tanya would go grocery shopping with Hose's mother and she would help around the house. But the two didn't get along. Hose's mother despised Tanya's obsession with her physical appearance. Um, I don't think she really understands that her obsession with her physical appearance might be because it was the only thing that she could control in her life for years. Right. She had her hair dyed bleach blonde. And now that Hose let her out of the house, um, he had her keep her nails long. Like her nails were done like acrylics. Okay. So um, Hose's mother and her are really going to clash and Tanya is a little outspoken when it does come to Hose's mother because I, I'm sure she feels like, well, I deserve to have a say finally in what I do. You know, because it's kind of like now they can officially like just be in a relationship. Yeah. 
it's I, a very strange situation. Very strange dynamic too, because like I said, I don't think they didn't know. Right, right, right. And I think that would cause a little resentment. Like, how did you? Like, you knew I was up there, and I had to live like that because I was hiding from you. Right. No, it's true. In the last year of her captivity, Tanya spent a lot of time at a deli that was down the block from her house with Hose. She talked to the family that owned the deli about wanting a job and needing money, but when they asked her questions, she had to be evasive because of her situation. She loved the dynamic of the family that was there, and it made her long for a family of her own. Like, she would always kind of hang around the deli and seeing the family joke around and laugh together. It was something that she really enjoyed. Hose had promised her that he was going to marry her, but it didn't seem like that was going to happen anytime soon. And the more she saw this family in this deli, she just really wanted that. She kind of was realizing as she entered the world more and more again, that especially now as an adult, that Hose is lying to her and he everything he presented is false. Like, she's slowly coming to that realization. Yeah, I mean, think about it. She's not walking around anymore with a blanket over her face anymore. Like, she's just able to see the world for what it is and see through the BS that Thomas Hose has been spinning, this web that he's been spinning this whole time, you know? Right. So, and a weird thing I said, blanket, I'm sorry. You, like, you know, blindfold, I meant oh. to say. I meant to say blindfold. I was I was confused about I'm sorry, blanket. guys. Usually I would have just edited that, but yeah, blindfold. Okay. So... Yeah, I mean, that's what happens, you know, and it's not her fault at all, so. I know. And as it seemed like everything that Hose had promised her was not going to happen, Tanya got angry. She promised herself that if things didn't change by the Christmas of 2005, that she would leave the house. She was able to go to Walmart by bus to buy things to make cookies. She was able to give cookies to the family at the deli that allowed her to kind of hang around and and talk to them. And she made the cookies for the girls at the thrift store. So she's like trying to reach out to the, the world, which is like so cute, but sad. For months, Tanya continued to live as if she had for the past 10 years. Until finally one day, she went into the deli. The owner, a man named Joe, who had been letting her loiter around for months, was finally beginning to get a little mad at her. He did want to offer her a job, but like she couldn't give him information that would allow him to hire her. Um, he wanted to help her out, and they kept like saying like, "Oh, come over to the house, come have dinner," or like they would try to be really friendly with her, but she would be evasive. And they thought this was strange until finally she like made up a story like oh, my boyfriend doesn't like me doing those things, which, well, I mean, honestly, see, I'm falling. She didn't make up a story. She does have this boyfriend, I guess you could call him now, because she's over 18, and that's what he's saying, that won't let her do things. So they're thinking, okay, she's just in an abusive relationship, and that's what's up with Tanya. Like, they don't know the extent of the abuse and the fact that she had been groomed for 10 years at this point. So... They were getting frustrated because they wanted to help her, but she's not letting them in. And um, finally, not wanting to lose 
the only comfort that she felt at that point from that family, the family at the deli, Tanya is going to tell Joe everything. She told him about the fact that she ran away when she was 14 years old, about the four years in the bedroom and all the sexual abuse and how it led up to where she is now. And he told her that he was going to help her. And he said, here's the plan. You're going to return to the house and you're going to wait there until the police come because we don't want Hose to become suspicious and we need to arrest him for what he's done. And uh, Joe was a little apprehensive about this. Um, He was like, is this really true? I mean, because the story is so bizarre that if someone were to just confide in you this story, you would kind of doubt it. So he does call the police. And the police and the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children did confirm that everything Tanya said was true about like her going missing when she was 14, her face being on milk cartons. So he is going to tell them where she is and the reality of what happened to Tanya Cash. So within the hour, the police surrounded the house on Soul Street. They barged in and asked her if she was Tanya Nicole Cash. She said yes and told them that Hose was upstairs. When he was brought downstairs, he yelled at Tanya what was happening and she told him that it was all over. When he was brought downstairs, he was yelling at Tanya, asking her what was happening and she told him that it was over. A few officers allowed Tanya to collect the things that she had upstairs and they escorted her safely from the house. As Tanya was leaving, Justin scowled at her and he said, you told Joe, didn't you? And Tanya told him that she did. As she was leaving the property, Hose yelled out to her. He called her Judas, but Tanya didn't care. It was finally over. And for the first time, she felt like she was free. You know, he has the gall to call her Judas, but you know what? He is... Satan? (laughs) Yeah. He is a despicable human being. And it's just like, it just follows the trend the whole time, right? Like, he's totally fine what he's doing. Like, it doesn't matter what he's doing. Everyone's just letting it happen. You know what I mean? And then you you have the, at the end of all this, you you go and say something like that. So Tanya was taken to the police station where a long statement was recorded. She had been held captive for 10 years and she was now finally home. The media jumped on the case. Not when it first started, though. And coverage of Tanya's story was all over the news for weeks. They featured a joyous return to her family and interviews that outlined the abuse she suffered. Even now, 14 years after her escape from the house on Soul Street, Tanya never really went into too much detail about the sexual abuse that she suffered at the hands of of Hose. So we don't truly know, but based on calendars that were confiscated, we know whatever sexual abuse took place, it happened every day. Investigators did recover 21 calendars. And she was telling the truth about him making her keep track of everything. Soon after the craziness of her return died down, the original dynamics of Tanya's family came back. Indifference with her father and a complicated relationship with her mother. Her relationship also did not get better with her father's girlfriend, 
who was now technically her stepmother. She gravitated towards the family from the deli, who she thought had been the closest thing to a family she'd ever had. Because the media was contacting the Cash family endlessly, her father thought that it was best to get Tanya a lawyer. And this was the lawyer that had once represented um, her father during a land dispute with a neighbor over a fence. So when Tanya met this lawyer, she felt instantly connected with the man. She was able to open up and be honest with him about what had happened to her. And she felt like he was actually listening to her. And this is the lawyer that she would later go on to write the book, A Memoir of a Milk Carton Kid with. So her and the lawyer wrote the book together. Thomas Hose was charged with kidnapping, sexual assault, endangering the welfare of a child, and endangering the welfare of a child. He pled guilty and was sentenced to 5 to 15 years in prison. So you would think that this is where the story ends. A happy return and the bad guy was put away. But it isn't. Eventually, those that were complacent in the kidnapping and sexual abuse of Tanya began to defend themselves and their actions. And in order to do that, they had to say negative things about Tanya herself. School and police are going to claim that when she wrote her book, that she made wildly false claims in the past about her life with her father. So... The school district and the police are going to claim that Tanya had made wildly false claims in the past about her life with her father, so that when she said on January 5th, 1996, because it was documented with the school, that the security guard had made sexual advancements towards her, she actually used the word blessed, like he tried to molest me. It hadn't been acted upon because she made wildly false claims in the past. Then they talked about all the fights that she got into, her truancy, and the fact that she had run away eight times before. So they claimed, the school is claiming that because she made false reports in the past, they didn't act on this one. They were trying to protect themselves when it came to the fact that they had a predator walking their halls in a middle school They knew he was having an inappropriate relationship with a 13-year-old girl, 13 into 14 years old, and they did nothing. The lack of accountability here um, on on everyone's part is, is, it's appalling. You are a school district. You need to know who is working in your school, number one. Number two, the police should never have said anything because she's the victim here. I don't care how many times she ran away. I don't care how many times, um, you know, that, that she missed school or, or, or caused issues or got into fights. None of this matters. Right. At this all. This is victim blaming. Yeah. And they are downplaying what has taken place. I completely agree. And I also think not only should the school definitely know who they're employing, but when the school is made aware of something like this, it needs to be properly investigated. And what's even more sad is that I feel like it was investigated. It was found that there was an inappropriate relationship and nothing was done. And the admission of guilt from the school comes when they had to move Tanya's class away from where Hose was stationed in the school. You're, you're right. Now, 
the school is going to know about this inappropriate relationship. But yet, when Tanya Cash goes missing, they didn't say anything about Hose. Yeah, you know, I didn't even think about that. I didn't even think that at all. Oh, a 14-year-old girl went missing? I don't know. Here's a good suspect. The 38-year-old security guard that we can't keep away from her? Right, that knows everything about her to the point where he literally... Convinced uh, the guidance counselor. <laughs> to give her... Uh, to give her uh, was it a The woman? file, her file. Right, the file. Are right? you kidding me? So, yeah, I mean, that's an obvious suspect, so I don't understand that at all. At all. And um, when it comes to the police, they went to Hose's house twice. Twice. First when she originally went missing. And then when they did the check again two years later, when all of a sudden her case became a good deal, big deal, because the um, they put two and two together that body of, of, well, the body of Kimberly Crims was in a cemetery. And then they also connected it to Anna Marie. You know, I I know we went over this, but I just wanted to just ask you a question. The other victims were they from the same school district? Yes. Okay, so was he continually uh, was he still employed with the school? Well, now um, Tanya is going to enter the school in 1996. So in 1995, when Anna Marie Callahan's body was found, it was found in 1995. So yes, he was employed in the school. That even makes me believe even further now that yeah. he could have done that, and that was just like a like a weird es- like escalation. And let's and you know what's so crazy here is the fact that the school knew about all of this and is not saying like, "Hey, check this guy out." He works for us. Maybe he has something to do with it. Yeah, I don't like it. It's the whole thing's fishy to me. And because the town is going to be, not, not the t- I'm sorry, because the police department in the school is going to be kind of like backtracking and kind of covering themselves, the people of the town follow suit. Like, one of the neighbors of Thomas Hose is going to go on several interviews and say, I saw her in the bedroom window. She never asked for help. I saw her smoking a cigarettes outside. She never asked for help. You know what, though? To me, that just shows the ignorance of this woman for example, right. to say that, yeah. you know? No, I completely agree because it's ludicrous to think that Tanya Cash was not a victim here because they said, oh, she looked fine. I saw her smoking cigarettes. Well, for four years, she was locked in a room and then she was slowly allowed out, but she still couldn't leave because she was under this groomed spell. And if she was fine, then how come when she was finally able to leave Thomas Hose's house, she needed two root canals, she had eight cavities, she had spinal and bone issues from malnutrition, deep scars from untreated psoriasis, as well as emotional trauma, which is backed by a trauma counselor that she has to say. She's not making that up. No, not at all. Not at all. A majority of the town, and I don't want to say everyone because I don't want to lump McKeesport into this because I have to say there's a lot of people that had rallied around her and it's a beautiful town but many people felt like she was lying which is absolutely insane because it's the reason why she left to begin with no one believed her it's the reason why she ran away from home I mean, her own parents didn't believe her and now she <laughs> finally she's held 
captive basically for 10 years. She finally gets out and then people don't believe her. You know, she's not the only one, you know, like it's just like this is a perfect example of what people talk about all the time. Like nobody is just supportive to people who go through traumatic experiences. This is why a lot of victims don't come forward. Yeah, no, it's 100% true. It's 100% true. And I feel like as a society, we need to start getting better in acknowledging that these people are victims. And even though you might not agree with everything that's coming out about, you know, certain cases or whatever, you need to understand that, that, you know, that's important to have that, that empathy, you know, for the, for these people who, you know, make it through the other side. Look how many people that we cover, Kaylee, these cases that they don't come out the other side. They die. They, you know, they go missing. They're never found. So we need to have a better approach to the people that do make it out and come out the other end. And give them proper treatment. 100%. Well, what's going to make this situation more hostile is the fact that through her lawyer, whom she feels really comfortable with and the one who she's writing a book with at this point, um, she is going to sue the police department, the school district, and Judy Sokol for damages in civil court. And she won. She won a lot of money. Over a million dollars. Well, I'm glad. So she had to move to a different town because the abuse got so bad. Which is unfortunate. (laughs) Tanya then is going to write her book with her lawyer in 2017. And it was not received well because Tanya was honest about how she felt about the abuse from her mother and the neglect from her father. Her father and stepmother are currently suing her for slander. Um, He also stated in a documentary that, and this is so sick and I, it's, it's horrific that someone's father would ever say this, but her father said that. Tanya knew how to use her sexuality and that she was probably the one who was manipulating Thomas Hose. (sighs) That's what he said. Those are his exact words in a documentary that was filmed. Honestly, I don't even know what to say to that. What you just said, that statement. I don't I don't even know. I just I just know that I don't agree with that at all. I mean, it's disgusting. When you look at the evidence, like when you really objectively sit down and look at the evidence that was found, um, both physically in the apartment and uh, in the house and physically on her, that's false. If she's the one doing any type of manipulation, she's not the one that's only going to get to shower twice a week. And she's not going to be the one that is suffering from mental, physical, and sexual abuse. Like, I'm sorry, that's absolutely ludicrous. Um, And, you know, Tanya struggles emotionally with this and what happened she does do speaking engagements and she does have people that follow her and have been inspired by her story she was a 14 year old girl who was taken advantage of hose was a predator and he saw that she was vulnerable and he groomed her she was sexually assaulted for years and so Many people were complacent in her abuse. The principal, the vice principal, the guidance counselor, the security company, her mother, her father, her stepmother, other students, police. Nothing happened. Nothing even happened with Kevin Churchfield. Right. And, you know, 
from the start to just about the end here, it just seems like her parents and her family really weren't too supportive here. And she returns to just a hostile society. Yeah, right. And this then, poor and then woman. Have, and then has to leave. She has to leave her town after what she's been through. I, um... I, I, I know, it's just sickening to me. It's very bizarre. And then yeah. why I found this case so interesting and why it was the one that I wanted to cover was, was for this. Because uh, when you try to look at cases that are similar, children that had been abducted and for decade maybe even more they make their return it's this triumphant return this story of survival um like jc lee dugard for example right but tanya's story isn't like that why and i think it's for several reasons i think that one is she was labeled a problem child i'm saying that in like inverted quotes before she went missing so that's one reason she wasn't like America's sweetheart that got abducted. She was a child, a vulnerable child, probably the one of the children who we needed to protect more than anything in this society that we let get taken away. And because she wasn't physically grabbed, she was emotionally grabbed. They're blaming her. And I would say, does it matter? Does it matter if she was physically or emotionally coerced into coming with him or, or, or just taken? Does it matter? No. And, and it's these children. It's these children that are unfortunately labeled problem children by society that are the ones that are failed by their communities because these are the children that don't have good social emotional health. And they're the ones that are most susceptible to this kind of abuse. And it was just allowed to happen in this situation. I agree. And it's really sad. And I think that it's unfortunate that Tanya Cash was that with this degree of hostility and disbelief when she was allowed to, to be let go. Because we have to remember this traumatic event happened when she was 14 years old. So when she, like her behaviors when she's doing interviews and stuff, she almost seems like giddy like, and people misinterpreted that. And what I feel is, and I've read some books from criminal psychologists where they say that, um, children that suffer from intense emotional or sexual abuse become arrested at that age. And she's still 14 years old. She never got to grow up. She was in a bedroom. She never got to experience anything. Nothing good. So, unfortunately, that is the story of Tanya Cash. And, you know, I think she is a very strong woman and she's a fighter and she is inspiring people and she's trying to get by with her life. But it's unfortunate that not only people failed her, but they continued to fail her once she returned. I agree with you. So that is the ending of part two of episode 87. We hope you really enjoyed this one. And we cannot wait to bring you our scary story episode that is going to be out in a few days. I can't wait. I get candy, birthday, and a scary stories from you guys. Awesome. All right. All right, guys. See you soon. Bye. Bye,